This podcast is brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit vinzero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From Vinzero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to Vinzero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Leader, innovator and influencer for change, Amy Marks is Autodesk's VP for Enterprise Transformation Practice. She informs strategy on business outcomes, platform solutions and consulting for customers incorporating transformational methodologies, including industrialised construction, sustainability and new ways of working. Prior to joining Autodesk, Amy was the CEO of Excite Modular. She defined the language, process and frameworks that are adopted by companies, universities and countries around the world reflecting the convergence, design, make, operate models. Amy champions the integration of transformational and innovative methods of working across many building types and is a graduate of the University of Florida and an alumna of the Harvard Business School. In the process of her career, Amy has pioneered a path to become the world's preeminent prefabrication consultant and as a result is perhaps best known as Queen of Prefab. Welcome to the program, Amy. Thank you for having me. Amy, you've been in this space a long time. How are business models changing? It's been a very interesting last few years. I think things we thought were impossible five years ago are now completely possible and we've seen them happen in the last three years. Things like remote work, things like electronic digitization of different processes that were previously on paper or had to be face-to-face. I think we're just seeing a very different world these days. And what was happening in the past, even though it was happening, it was at pace of technologies converging and processes converging and real industries converging over the last three years, accelerated by COVID, obviously, we've seen a tremendous acceleration of business model transformation. And I mean, I'll just give you one example. I had friends prior to COVID that had task force for three years on how to go paperless signatures And it was a very time-consuming, almost impossible task force. Three days after COVID happened, they were electronic signatures only. Now, in three days, technology didn't change. It's I think the acceleration is the way in which we're interacting with technologies and our behavior around technologies, our acceptance of technology. And that's the really exciting thing we're seeing around convergence of technology within these business models and business transformation. It's interesting right now, I think because of the convergence of things like technology and the convergence of processes, really, you know, we've seen a real convergence of business models. So if I'm looking across our customers, whether they're manufacturers or building product manufacturers or, uh, you know, architects or engineers or contractors or architects or even our owner and, you know, government customers, they're really changing their business models. They're recognizing they want to own more of their own data. They want to cross over some of these spaces and, uh, you know, close some of the gaps that the silos have created. So, Amy, as you witness organizations moving through the change journey, what does it typically look like? Well, first, I always say that change happens with dissatisfaction. And that's not always that they're unhappy about things. That's part of it. Sometimes they are aspirational and they want to get to someplace. So I always ask customers in any language, this always translates, what does your business want to be when it grows up? 
And every CEO can answer that question immediately. You don't have to use a lot of fancy phrases. I believe what happens next is once they recognize what they want to be when they grow up, the next step is to recognize, do they have the foundational skills, tools, culture, core competencies to be that thing they want to be when they grow up? And that becomes that maturity assessment they have to take a real strong look at. After that, I think that they look at what they can do and they figure out what are they doing that can be repeatable? What can they productize to make easier for others to consume and to go to market with? How do they digitize those things, uh, automate and make things easier? Ultimately, a lot of the transformations are around creating less waste, whether that's waste within their business processes, waste in you know physical form, waste of, you know, especially these days working with their supply chain and even waste in their own employees that they have. We can't afford to lose great employees anymore. People are looking, how do they get good employees and train them and keep them? So I think that cycle happens where they figure out what they want to be when they grow up. And then they basically create a vision for that and some first concrete steps of action they can take to get there. And all of that, I always say to CEOs, that's great. You have to do all of that. It has to be stronger than resistance. You know, that's Dan Miller's formula for change. I always quote, and the resistance normally comes internally, not externally. It's the resistance we feel with change is usually an internal friction more so than external. And so what are the key drivers then once an organization's gone through that initial thought process to move through the journey? I think after you've understood if you have the right foundational elements and you understand your maturity assessment, then I think most have to look somewhat externally to their partners, their supply chain, to others that are in the space that have done transformational changes. To think that everything has to be reinvented as if it were never done before is a fool's errand. So I think that there's very few things in this life that haven't been done before or that you can't adapt to fit the needs for purpose that you're trying to accomplish. So I think you should pause at that moment and almost do a little bit of a learning exercise, a learning journey, if you will, to figure out if this has been done before, if there are experts in it. I always laugh, like I've seen some organizations or even like some governments, they want to do a new initiative. And these are initiatives that have been done before successfully. And by the way, unsuccessfully, you can learn from as well. And instead, we just sort of start from scratch as if things have never been done before. So I would say that I always give CEOs advice to first figure that out before you take any, you plow through and, and decide to start inventing things. And Amy, what are some common outcomes that people are looking for if they're not in fact reinventing things? I think a lot of customers these days are looking for outcomes, you know, those real measurable changes that improve their business performance, like how do we win more work? How do we know what is the right work to win? How do we have more sustainable outcomes? How do we make sure that we are integrating and digitizing what we're doing so that the domain expertise that's in people's heads can actually be standardized and automated and optimized? So I'm seeing a lot of outcomes around productivity, a lot around sustainability, and outcomes around profitable work and winning the right work these days. I mean, of course, there are always the outcomes around safety and if you're, especially if you're on the construction or manufacturing side, but I'm seeing also a lot more outcomes these days around creating competitive advantage by either developing some new technologies on their own or 
integrating different workflows and capabilities that no one else has. That seems to be a pretty interesting outcome people are looking for. How to string together several complex solutions for different end states. That seems to be a hot topic these days. So what does a successful strategy for driving technology-led change look like in your view? I mean, obviously you have to have buy-in from the champions at the top. And I think they really have to explain the why the company is doing things. I think then once you understand the why and that's driven down through the ranks, you obviously have to talk about the what is happening and what you would like to see accomplished. I think a lot of the how should be left to a lot of the you know, middle managers and people that are doing great work and that actually are closest to the business and customers in its day-to-day operations. Amy, as you engage with the manufacturing sector on a global basis and bring them along on the journey of digitalization, how do you lead the conversation? What questions are you asking typically? I think, you know, we talk a lot about what if, you know, what is their expected experience? What could life be like if data around design, make, operate was actually granular? What if it was open and accessible? What if you could actually collaborate concurrently rather than in a linear fashion? What if you had access? What if things were seamless? You know, it's like the way in which I always say I could order a pizza these days in a seamless interaction on my Apple watch using like six or seven different technologies to customize, pay for, and watch it get delivered to my house. What if the access was seamless like that for us in our organizations, in our industries? And what if that data was really reusable? So it wasn't just going in the trash after we had one project or product that we were building, but we could reuse it and it evolved. I think that's the kind of vision we're painting for a more modern and connected, insightful environment where people could be more predictive instead of reactive. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. And how is the implementation of technology strategy starting to impact the manufacturing and construction sectors? I think those sectors are looking at their previous processes and understanding that there was a lot of assumption-based design going on where they were making things they weren't quite upfront informed around. And it's really hard to digitize and utilize great robotics and automation if you're making snowflakes every time. So we're seeing a lot around the data evolution at these companies in making sure that they have things like common data environment, but that the information that they're sharing across and the component libraries they're using actually are standardized and can create, even though they're standard products, they can customize them and optimize them in order to create newer innovations. But I think we're recognizing in our big customers, especially, they wanted to find reusable and configurable products, right? Building products, manufactured products, uh, even design products, like assembling different design components so that they can design things with these customizable elements and products 
but start using things that are more parametric and predictive in the tools and, you know, understanding the predictive nature of things like cost and schedule and carbon. They want to make sure that we are making things in the most efficient way so that these components have things like metadata associated with that component around whatever its bodied carbon is, how it's made, it's, you know, it's manufacturability, it's supply chain availability, and really all the processes and documentation of both product and process development live with those components. So make sure that we can actually operate either the buildings or utilize the component parts within other assemblies to make sure that the performance data is accurate and we can see what things look like when they're operational in real time, either as the entirety of the system or part of the system and getting information from things like IoT sensors and being able to feed that information to digital twins to then inform those reusable and configurable products again and again. So we're getting that cycle of define, design, make, and operate that is really more informed and informed by the performance of these components and systems. So, Amy, you've mentioned the design make concept. What's really underpinning that apart from products? Every company, I think, these days really needs to start assessing their common data environment, how that data around those products is shared internally and externally with stakeholders. Because obviously, you need that common data environment to understand the inner workings of your own company and what you're making. But ultimately, you need to connect teams and connect processes and connect that data in order to function both as your own company, but interacting with other companies in the ecosystem. That's really important. And do you think that we are to a degree seeing through technology, the ability to sustainably reinvent the project life cycle? I think honestly, digitization and you know productization of things like the construction process that happens today is probably the single most important thing you can do for sustainability on our planet today. I mean, when you think about that 40%, anywhere, depending on the study you look at, between 30 and 40% of what's in our landfills is actually construction waste. You know, assumption-based design is really killing us from a landfill perspective. We need to be able to understand and inform design with the way things are actually made, manufacturing informed design so that we're making these components in the most effective way. What role do you see technology playing for circularity and adaptive reuse? I think as we're looking at things in the past said design for ease of manufacturing, ease of assembly, I like to say it's more about the data for manufacturing and assembly because we need the data to understand things like embodied carbon, also material circularity. There are lots of ways in which we can design and reuse these systems and elements and components, especially if they're built using industrialized construction techniques, and especially if we design for disassembly and reuse. I think that's really important. In the sector that you're seeing a tremendous amount of growth in right now, which is industrialized construction, I think the numbers are pretty strong that those companies are being asked to create both independent systems and multi-trade systems, as well as entire buildings that can be reused, or they're looking to strip a building down to its concrete and steel so that they don't have to put back up concrete and steel and look at creating new systems. Or they're trying to understand the embodied carbon analysis of putting up an all timber structure instead of 
concrete and steel structure. And so technology is going to help us so that we have actual data that computers and things like AI and machine learning can actually help us make the right decision based on the data that you don't need a human to make anymore. But we can very quickly use algorithms to understand the right combination of pieces and parts and kits of parts and the right way in which we want to structure these elements and, and even looking at you know the building typologies that make the most sense from a sustainability perspective. That can only really be done in the right way using technology. And so we just mentioned their material circularity. It's certainly key to circularity for the built environment. Are you seeing any new trends at the material level? We are seeing a large percentage of the audience, at least in the U.S., that is telling us that to implement circular economy principles at their organizations, they really need technologies that make it easier for them to implement it. And they need customers or owners that are requiring it. They want that. They want to make sure that their owners or developers or whoever is leading that particular initiative is requiring it. That Those are the two biggest factors for implementing circular economy principles. That's the interesting thing. A lot of people are utilizing industrialized construction just for basic everyday practices that are going to stay there permanently. But the fact that almost 40% are using it for disassembly and reuse, and the main driver of that is sustainability, that's pretty astounding and amazing. I think the more mature we're finding the industrialized construction market segments, the more they are doing things around sustainability drivers. I think it's interesting. Most of the companies, when they think about material circularity, start talking about the architect and engineer. And they start talking about which architects and engineers are thinking about material circularity, who is using some of the tools that are available technology-wise. But I think one of the really overlooked segments of the ecosystem is that group of architects, engineers, and really contractors and subcontractors that are building elements and designing elements for disassembly and reuse. And so recently we just did a research study live at Advancing Prefabrication and the numbers were pretty astounding. I think it was 38% had actually participated in projects that had some sort of design for disassembly and reuse component. That's a pretty high number. But I would speculate to think that I'm not sure that those numbers, if you just looked across all of the architects in the world, if, if that would be the same number, just looking at generalist architects that were thinking about material circularity, I think there are real pockets within our spaces where people are being asked to do some amazing things by reusing components, reusing systems, reusing building structure, and even in totality, disassembling entire buildings and reassembling them that we may forget about if we're not thinking about reuse in that material circularity. I think it's really key that we don't overlook that segment. So recently in that study, we found that almost 40% of that particular audience in the U.S. reported some experience in design for manufacturing and assembly, but for disassembly and reuse activities. And sustainability was the biggest motivator behind this work. And although it was general contracting companies definitely had the most experience with these activities, the overall results really align with all the demographic categories. So there is a large segment of that mature industrialized construction population that is participating in activities around disassembly and reuse with sustainability being the biggest driver. So how do we start the transformation journey if you're a manufacturer or in the construction sector for that matter? 
again, I think once you understand the transformation journey that you're on with that vision, you have to identify key partners internally and externally, right? That can help you figure out how to identify, deploy, and develop the right solution stack. What's really important for you? What are the right areas that you want to focus on? And how do those things tie together for the right business outcomes? I think this word we toss around solution is a little bit complicated. Some people use it interchangeably with the word software product or capability. And it's actually much different than that. Solutions are much more complex and they're much more layered. So when you think about solutions and implementing multiple complex solutions, you wanna think about that a solution is really a selection of products and services that drive very specific business outcomes, capabilities, and behaviors. Again, it's very layered. It's really not just about one company's tech, it's about platform with an open ecosystem of their tech, competitors tech, partners tech, to make sure that you can actually get across a lot of these business outcomes, especially if they're cross-industry. Well, Amy, this has certainly been an interesting conversation. And as we bring it to a close today, with so much transformation happening across both construction and manufacturing sectors, when you think future, what is it that excites you the most? I mean, I think what honestly what excites me the most is that we're going to start thinking of our experience in this ecosystem the way we think about everything else we do. Things that don't seem right or are overly complicated or are not the way you would do any other activities in your daily life are what excites me. I would love a different expected experience from this future state. Like, I think people think it's okay that they don't know when things are showing up on their job site. And yet I know a pizza is going to show up within the seconds the guy's ringing my doorbell. If I ordered anything online these days, I know exactly when it was shipped, when it's getting to me, when it comes into my house. When we're talking about like the supply chain transparency in our ecosystem, it's like those rules don't apply as if that technology doesn't exist. So I'm really excited just to apply my basic everyday expected experience of everything else I do to the design make ecosystem. Amy Marks, Queen of Prefab. Thanks for participating in the Vinzero Think Future podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. Vinzero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our Vinzero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.